Well, good morning, One Church. What's up? My name is Carlo. I get to be one of the teaching pastors here. Glad that you are with us today. Several years ago, I went on my very first hike out at Land Between the Lakes. Any of you ever spent time out at LBL? I was going out with a couple of uh, the guys from the church. We were going to have a good time, be out there for about two days, three days, uh, hike a portion of the south part of the north-south trail. And I had this old school frame, ex- external frame uh, backpack that I picked up, you know, secondhand somewhere. And I, I thought it would be a pretty good uh, pack to take out on this hike. When I tried it on at home, it felt really uh, comfortable, felt nice and snug. When I packed it up and loaded it at home, it felt really good. In fact, every time I put this pack on at home, it felt perfect. And it was a great pack until I actually took it out on the trail. Once I got out on the trail, about three miles into our walk, my neck starts cramping up. You know, the, the, the straps keep slipping loose on, on the pack. They won't stay tight. The hip strap broke. If you know anything about uh, hiking or wearing heavy packs, you know you need to have that thing close to your body the heavier it is. And, and that thing broke. And then the shoulder strap, the right shoulder strap, actually broke completely off. Like I'm three, four miles out in the woods, and this thing completely snaps off. Thankfully, I had some 550 cord and some duct tape. I could kind of make everything. Uh, work together. But you know, when, when your equipment breaks four or five miles into the woods, that's a long way to be away from a vehicle or civilization for something to go bad. So I'm stuck way out in the woods. If you know anything about LBL, you know that it is where all of the ticks on the globe go to hang out for about five, six months a year. And on the south part of the trail, they let you ride horses on the same hiking trail for a certain section of it. Now, if you're a horse lover, you say, yay. If you're a human who has to walk where horses walk, you can imagine what you're walking through uh, on that trail. So there are massive stretches of this trail that they're just all rutted out and between the horse manure and the mud, it's just a grueling, grueling time. And on top of all of that, here I am struggling for 14 miles with a pack that won't do what the pack is supposed to do. It's constantly slipping and pulling and tugging, and I don't even get to enjoy the environment. There was no stopping and smelling the roses for me. There was stopping and letting out a couple of curses and then retightening something and then going on. I couldn't enjoy conversation with my buddies because it was just everything in me to keep my, my, my muscles from cramping up, and it was just a miserable experience. I wasted so much energy on that trail because I had to spend it on other things instead of what I wanted to be spending my energy on. I didn't get to enjoy the journey because of this broken down thing I was carrying on my back. And fighting with that pack frame on that trail reminds me so much of the energy that we waste in life fighting various things. We've all been there before. You take 50 steps forward in your life just to realize that not only were you never actually moving forward, you've been going in circles the whole time, right? Some of you, it's a one step forward, two steps back. For some of us, we've been taking 100 steps forward, and then one day we realize, I haven't gone anywhere. I've just been going in circles this whole time, wasting my energy, wasting my time, fighting these nonsense issues in life. You find out that you're getting a big bonus at work. You know, that big check's getting ready to come. You have plans. You're going to fight your debt. You're going to pay off some bills. You're going to go on a trip. And then your air condition unit breaks and your cat dies and your car engine blows and everything just goes crazy in your life, right? Has that been you? That's actually happened to me, all of those things in about 18-month period one year. It all went bad really quickly. If we're honest, for some of us, The ultimate fight in our life is just making it through the month without another disaster. 
Or for some of us, the, the ultimate fight in, in, in life is just making it through the week without slapping somebody in the face. Can I get amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about? That is a st- struggle is all the way real for so many of us when it comes to that. What do we do when it seems like we spend so much time in our life wasting energy because life's beating us down? We're constantly attacked. We're constantly under pressure. How do we win in those circumstances where there's always one more battle to fight? Today, we're wrapping up this six-week series in the book of Ephesians. I hope that it has been so helpful for you. It's been helpful for me, and you can go back to onechurch.tv if you missed any of those weeks and, and catch up on those. This series is entitled Stan, and it's based on the book of Ephesians that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, which is in now modern-day Turkey. And this is a book all about spiritual battles. It's a book all about properly using our energy to win this life in Christ. How do we stand when everything wants to tear us down? That's what this book is all about. He wrote it to encourage this church and to encourage us even how we can stand and who we are in Christ and how we can make it. In chapter one, we learned about the importance of a position and perspective. We learned in chapter two that the battle is really won when we rest in what God has done for us. We learned the power of truly knowing what it means for God to save us and love us, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his grace. In chapter three, we learned that people are never our problem. People are our purpose. If we're in Christ, then people, unity, that's what matters, loving others like God has loved us. In chapter four and in chapter five, Pastor Chris and, and Kim shared yesterday, or last Sunday, we learned the power of loving God first in relationships. You want every other relationship in your life to work like it's supposed to work? We have to start with that love for God. Today, we're gonna wrap up this entire series by unpacking some very practical tools that Paul tells us will help us fight spiritual battles and win spiritual battles. Now, they're going to be presented in kind of a spiritual way, but I promise you, when we land the plane, you'll see those are actually very practical steps that he gives us. He gives us, though, the secret to winning spiritual battles. And that, the secret really is this, and it's our big idea today, is that God is bigger than your battles. God is bigger than your battles. Now, that I promise you, that's not cliche. That's not something for you to put on your Insta story and say, look how spiritual I am this week. Like this is a real truth that will help you in life if you get this down into your soul and understand that God is always bigger than your battles. That's the heart of the entire book of Ephesians. You could argue this is the heart of many of the tales and the stories and the, 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 the principles that we see all throughout scripture. God is bigger than sin. God is bigger than our circumstance. All the things that God has done for us, saving us on purpose for a purpose, putting us in biblical community, all of those things, even creation screams that God is bigger than our battles. So in these final verses in Ephesians, Paul's going to give us some practical insights, and again, I think they'll help us get to the bottom of what we're fighting, why we're fighting, and more importantly, how can we fight? And what's beautiful is we're going to go back to the very first theme scripture we've had for this entire series. We introduced it in week one, and we're going to hang out there today. It's found in Ephesians chapter 6. It'll be on the screen or the version app. Here's what Paul says in verse 10 of Ephesians 6. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. So he says, be strong in the Lord and in the Lord's mighty power. This is the power to raise Jesus from the dead, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that is inside of us that brings us back from the death of sin. It's the power to live today. In that power, Paul says, be strong 
in that. Paul talked about power all of the time in all of his writings. In fact, you, you, football season's getting ready to kick back up here in a couple weeks in, in the United States, and you watch football games, uh, someone's always got a sign they're holding up in the crowd with a scripture verse on it. Back in the day, it used to be John 3.16, but thanks to Tim Tebow, what's the scripture we see all the time at football games now? Philippians 4.13, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a power verse that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. He always talked about the power of God in us and through us and how the power of God can help us, how the power of God can equip us. What if I told you that power is available to us, but it means we have to understand and live out a couple of truths to access that power. I don't want to say there's a catch, but the power of God is available to us, but there's some truths that we have to get in our soul. We have to understand them first, then we can access this awesome power of God that can help us. So I just want to share those with you real quick today. The first truth we need to get is that you are stronger than you think you are. You are stronger than you think you are. Now, some of you flexed this morning in the mirror and your muscle went the other way like a cartoon. So I have good news for you. You are stronger than you think you are. Did you know a 175-pound man can throw a punch that has about 1,000 pounds of force behind it if his technique is right? A 120-pound woman can throw a kick that'll generate between 3,000 and 5,000 pounds of force. Human bones are 40% more stress-resistant than concrete. Even the human bite has about 150 to 300 pounds of pressure per square inch. Any of us who've bitten by that mighty three-year-old, we know there's something I love that baby till it bit me. My wife, she's all about, I will bite your child. If your child bites me, I will bite that baby back. Like, all bets are off, you know. There's power. We are built to to take a licking and keep on ticking as human beings. We are resilient. We are tough. And if you're in this room and you've been through some things in your life, you know that you can actually take a lot more than you thought you could. I learned that lesson in the Army, that my body can do things that my mind thought were impossible, I can actually climb things and crawl through things and walk farther and run faster and push myself to limits that I didn't even know existed. And we see this all the time with human beings. I'm a huge fan of the world's strongest man and strongman competition. And I love seeing these these guys who just decide one day, I want to be the strongest man on earth. And so they eat 10,000 calories a day and they train, they lift heavy things. And the next thing you know, they're deadlifting 1,100 pounds. They decide for fun to put on a harness and pull a 737 20, 50 yards just to see if they can do it. And they actually do it. These are just human beings. Now they trained, but at the end of the day, they are made of the same muscle and blood and bone and maybe some performance enhancers. But either way, they've got some stuff in them that allows them to push that far. Humans are powerful. God made us tough. We're created fearfully and wonderfully, the psalmist tells us. We're strong. And if that's how strong we are, Physically, imagine if we apply our own strength to God's power, how much strong we can be. So first truth you need to get in here, you might have shown up feeling awfully weak today. Some of y'all showed up looking awfully weak, but that's for a different conversation. I'm just busting your chops. We showed up in a state of weakness. You're stronger than you think you are. But here's the other side of the coin. You are weaker than you think you are. You say, that contradicts. No, it doesn't. We need to know that we are stronger than we think, but... We are not as strong as we think. Make sense? Stronger than you think, but you're not as strong as you think. You are weaker than you think you are. Because the truth is, for all of our natural strength, here's what I know. Bones break. Punches miss. Muscles cramp up, right? People get tired. While the human body may be an awesome specimen of strength, it is also mortal 
and in a constant state of atrophy. Soon as we are born, we start dying. That's basic biology. So there's a limit to our strength. Without God, we are powerless. And that's why Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, because the battle we're in spiritually, we can't win on our own strength. Make sense? Y'all with me this morning? Making sense? You, you can't win it on your own. It's not that kind of battle. That's why I said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So flesh and blood isn't going to be strong enough to make it in the kind of battle that we're in. Which leads us to the third truth. Don't fight spiritual fights naked. Now, last week's message about marriage, we always tell couples at onechurch.tv, fight naked. This is a different concept. Thus, I added the word spiritual in there for those of y'all who are slow but worth waiting for. I wanted you to understand they're two different things. With my friends, with relationships, yeah, you want to go, you, you, you want to be exposed and vulnerable and you don't want to keep secret. That's not what we're talking about here. Don't fight spiritual fights naked. In Army, we had a term called full battle rattle. Y'all know the full battle rattle term, soldiers in the room, right? Full battle rattle just means we're going to go out on this exercise, this mission, and you need to wear everything that we've issued you. Everything. You might not need it. We don't care. Bring it and bring an extra set just in case, right? Full battle rattle, everything, top to bottom. You're going to put on 50, 60 pounds of gear if you're an airborne trooper. Then you're going to put on another 60 pounds of parachute. Like, you're going to put everything on, you know, all your ammunition. Bring everything with you because where we're going, you're going to need to be prepared for all of the things that could happen. And so all of the gear and equipment that our soldiers are issued, it's supposed to provide an extra level of functionality, an extra level of protection, in many cases, an extra level of lethality to that warrior so that they can do their job. After all, why would you go into battle unprepared? Why would you wear boxer shorts and a baseball cap to a firefight, right? Real bullets are going your way. You might want to have something on you that could protect you a little bit, right? You might want to have something that'll help you survive in war. But many of us fight spiritual battles completely spiritually naked, unprepared. We're not prepared at all with anything to help us get into the fight we have. But that's why Paul said, put on all of God's armor, so that you will be able to stand. Spiritually, if you find yourself constantly on your face, not standing when the test and when the trial comes, I would argue it's easy. You don't have on all of God's armor. But why do we need to put on that armor? Why do we need to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power? I'm glad you asked. So is Paul. He answers the question for us. Verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That sounds like something out of the Marvel universe, right? Dark worlds, unseen places. What is he trying to say? He's saying that there is an enemy that is real and he doesn't fight fair and he doesn't fight the way you think that we would normally fight. There's some stuff happening in the unseen that we can't see. And if we try to fight it with our flesh and blood, we're going to lose. We're not strong enough. We can't make it. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And when Jesus is talking about the thief, he's talking about our great adversary, Satan. He's saying that guy is not going to fight the way you think he's going to. 
But what he's coming to do is always the same, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So here to the church at Ephesus, Paul is letting them know we, don't, we can't fight him that way. We need something more. We're wrestling, we're struggling with something that's not flesh and blood. It is spiritual. And so to fight this spiritual battle, we need spiritual tools. This brings us to the fourth truth we get out of this passage is that we need to see the big picture. At the end of the day, when it comes to our walk with Christ, we need to see the big picture. I'll never forget my deployment to Iraq, long, long days sitting in Mosul, Iraq. And it was, it was kind of like the movie Groundhog's Day. Y'all familiar with the movie Groundhog's Day? Some of us uh, may be familiar with that. The same thing happens over and over and over and over. Every day you get up, you go to work, you go to sleep, you repeat, eat. You know, it's just kind of that same every day for almost a year, kind of just that same thing. And life can lull you into a sense of apathy sometimes, right? A sense of complacency. Nothing new ever happens. It's kind of the same thing. But one day, between eating and sleeping, something actually happened. My friends and I, we were on our way back from our dining facility, back to where we were crashing for the night. And some 50 caliber machine gun fire opens up. And that was kind of normal for us. We didn't think anything about it. And then some stuff started blowing up. Now, at this point in our deployment, when stuff blew up, we really just, we were so used to stuff blowing up. But when stuff blows up, and then stuff blows up that you can feel blowing up, something changes down in your soul. Those of y'all who have been deployed, you know what I'm talking about. There's a little something different than, oh yeah, that's too far enough, to wait a minute, that was close. Wait a minute, I just heard that. There's stuff whizzing and popping all around, and, and it was a freaky, freaky attack that we had at our camp. A friend of ours, he was uh, across the, the airfield. He was at the PX. He walked out of the little tent, saw a mortar round, blast this thing. It was just a crazy thing. Someone died in that attack. It was just a bad, bad day. Lots of people injured and hurt. And, and I remember in that moment, as stuff's popping and blowing off and we're getting to cover, kind of waiting this thing out, I remember like a light bulb moment in my life where I said, oh yeah, we're at war. I forgot that Life isn't about me getting my soft batch cookies from the PX tent. Like, life isn't about how much ice cream can I steal from the defect this trip, like, to take back to my room. Like, there's something more to just this lull that I've been, you know, put, put into because of the monotony of the day. There's a bigger picture. There was something more at stake than my comfort. There was something more at stake than my will. There was something more at stake than what I wanted. There was a war on. This is the truth Paul's hammering home to the church at Ephesus, and it's what God wants you to hear today. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. There's a war on. There's real evil rulers and authorities in this unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world and, and the evil spirits in the heavenly places that want to destroy you and destroy your family. Here's the truth. The enemy is not your spouse. Your real enemy is not your spouse. The real problem is not, oh, I just can't stand so-and-so or I don't make enough money or I don't have enough money. We have to see the big picture. There's a real enemy who wants to take us out. But there is a bigger God who's fighting on our side. He's fighting for us. So don't have a small view of what God can do and who God is and, and don't view life through the lens of your circumstances. However, we have to remember when we're in this spiritual battle that not every battle is God's to fight. 
You say, man, that sounds kind of contradictory because I heard somewhere in the Bible that the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Well, it says that in Second Chronicles 20, but we got to unpack the, the context here to understand the difference. In the context of Second Chronicles 20, it's in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they are facing an unprovoked attack against the enemies, and God intended to rescue them. In this case, it was definitely the Lord's battle. He came to the defense of his people, and God did that all of the time. So Israel could have that confidence that the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. But here's what I know about the Bible, especially the Old Testament. There are a lot of places where guess what God doesn't do? He doesn't fight for Israel. There's times where they're defeated. There's times where they're crushed, even humiliated. Sometimes it was because of their unrepentant sin. Other times it was because the battle was on their initiative and on their terms, and they tried to make something righteous on the back end that God never wanted them to do. What am I saying? Some of you are fighting spiritual fights and losing, and God never wanted you in that fight to begin with. For some of you, the fight that you're fighting is about your agenda. You're in a spiritual fight, and it's because of your ego. It has nothing to do with God. It has to do with your pride. It has to do with your kingdom come, your will be done. And so you're losing a battle and you don't realize God never wanted you to fight that to begin with. But here's what's awesome about God and his mercy and his grace. Even when we blow it and step into battles that aren't ours, he still will show up and help us. All we have to do is repent, confess, say, hey, God, sorry, I wasn't supposed to do this to begin with. Now I need you. And I know God always shows up and he helps. It might be conflict at work, might be marriage difficulties. We have to know that some of our battles, yes, God does help us, but that's not God. That's, that's not what Paul's talking about here when he's talking about these spiritual battles that we fight. And this is where these next verses come into play. This is where we're gonna camp for the rest of our time together. So, so we know we don't fight against flesh and blood. We're supposed to put on the full armor. What does that actually look like? Paul is gonna break it down for us and tell us. Here's what he says, verse 13 of Ephesians 6. He says, therefore, so in view of everything, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. So put on, that means you have to do something. This is, there's no passivity in this battle. You have to do something. You have to prepare, just like putting something on, taking something off. It's active, he said, so that you'll be able to resist. So this is an active resistance. This is not sitting on the sideline praying and saying, oh God, make it all go away. No, there's something I have to do. I have to get involved in this situation. Put on God's armor, actively do this so that you will be able to resist the enemy. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. There's the the theme of this series, stand. After the battle, here's how you'll still be standing when you put on every piece of God's armor. When the fight is over, You won't have given up an inch is what Paul is saying. So then verse 14, he tells us, here's what we do. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. So the gospel of truth, the truth Jesus said in John 17, 17, he was praying for us and he says, God, set them apart by your word. Your word is truth. So the word of God, God's word, that's what's going to hold me up, protect me. That's what's going to cover my vital, God's righteousness, his truth. That's what's going to protect me from any of the attacks that I have. Verse 15, he says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. 
Shoes are very important in battle and in a fight, especially if you've done any long road marching or walking. Think about the armies of Caesar. Think about the armies of Alexander the Great, right? These folks were walking all over the place. They conquered the world because they took care of their feet. Like, put on the shoes of the gospel. I love that he says that. The peace that comes from the good news. The good news that we can't earn our salvation. The good news that Jesus came and he died and he rose again, that we could have life, eternal life. We could have relationship with God. We can be reconciled to God, not by our works, as Paul talks about in verse two. And that good news is our foundation. That's what we walk in. That's the truth that'll protect us. It's actually a message of peace that helps us. Verse 16, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is being confident of the promises of God. Even if I can't see it right now, I'm going to trust in God. We say it all the time that facts and feelings are two different things, and something that supersedes all of those, it's faith. It's this belief in God. For those of you who've said yes to Jesus, you had faith that upon the profession of your faith, you have eternal life now in Christ, that you can live, and you're a child of God. That's the same faith that you apply to every other area of your life that God's going to believe in you. So when the lies of the enemy come at you, those fiery darts, you're a loser. You'll never make it. God doesn't love you. You're not enough. You can defend Fend by holding up the shield of faith. You trust in God's promises. You trust in God's word and you block all of those things. Faith is what connects us from who God is to who we are in Christ. It's a very, very important element of our armor. Verse 17, he says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So God's words found in the Hebrew scriptures, the Christian scriptures or Old Testament, New Testament, those words are powerful. It's known as the Bible. That is the only offensive weapon in this whole arsenal. All this stuff he's telling us to put on. The only weapon is God's word. And it's important for you to know, this is not a weapon that we use against people who don't know God. It's not a weapon that we use against people who don't believe in Jesus, who don't believe in the Bible. This is a weapon we use against who? The enemy. And the enemy is not flesh and blood. So we use God's word to fight against the lies and the attacks and the schemes of Satan, of the enemy. And then verse 18, he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayer for all believers everywhere. Basically, always be ready to fight. Here's a picture of what Paul had in mind. He's talking to these people with a Greco-Roman uh, construct of armor. But here's what I envision, 21st century warrior, that elite warfighter. This is what I think of, putting on the armor of God, being protected with the right belt, with the right chest, breastplate, with the helmet, with, the with everything ready to help me go into battle. So much efficiency, so much action. Paul knew the secret to success in spiritual battles. It starts and it ends with this dependence on God, but we have to participate. We have to get involved, and that's why we put on the full armor of God. And if you notice, there's a common thread in all of those pieces of equipment that Paul's telling everyone to put on to. They all connect to God's truth through his word. They all connect to the spirit life, so praying in the spirit. They all connect to God's truth and what he had done. They all connect to God's power. They all connect to God's power. 
And here's what's cool about God's power. This isn't the first time in the scripture that we see this kind of warfare language or we see this kind of here's how you win the battle type of language. In fact, I think Paul may have been thinking a little bit about one of Israel's greatest generals, Joshua, as Paul is thinking of how to encourage the church at Ephesus. Maybe his mind went back to, to one of his ancestors who also was facing some serious, serious warfare. This is found in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua. Joshua was an a, a assistant of the great Moses, and they're about to be on the edge of a lot of fighting and a lot of battle. And I just love here what God says to Joshua. I'm going to read it for you. It's in Joshua 1, starting in verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then Will you prosper and succeed in all you do? This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you see the similarities between Joshua 1 and Ephesians 6? How can I ensure that the Lord is with me everywhere I go? How can I be bold and courageous in my day-to-day walk here in 2019 in Clarksville, Tennessee, I can start by putting on the full armor of God so that after everything has happened, I will still be standing, not in my own strength, but in God's strength. God is bigger than your battles. Or to put it another way, the Lord is your light. He's your salvation. Who shall you fear? God is for you, so who can be against you. God says he'll supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. All those statements are victory statements found in the the teachings of Paul and John and Jesus, and they're all yours if you're in Christ. Those truths are your reality. What are you fighting today? Maybe you're here, you have zero relationship with God, but you have a lot of drama, you have a lot of tension in your life could be that you're losing the, this fight because you're confusing human problems with spiritual problems. I would encourage you to consider what life would look like if you started living your life based on what Jesus has already done for you. Start living your life just based on, you know what, I'm going to try to do this Jesus stuff. I'm not going to strive towards it. I'm just going to trust that man, Jesus paid the ultimate price for me God's given me a way of escape. I'm going to try things God's way. I promise you, when you do things Jesus' way, life is better. I didn't say life is easier. I didn't say life is problem-free. I didn't say life is comfortable. I just said it's better because I'm not fighting on my own anymore. I'm not struggling with no help. I'm not struggling with no power to overcome. So how do we live this out 
in, in the real world. It's one thing to talk super far up theory and theologically and armor of God. Man, that's good. If you're a warrior in the room, a soldier, or you like to still get into fights, you're law enforcement, or, or whatever thing you do, you understand the importance of fundamentals. Fundamentals are critical to just about everything that we do in life. You see Mel play the drums up here. I promise you there is an arsenal of fundamental rudiments that he knows how to play. He had to learn how to do this before he could get behind the kid. He had to figure out how to play a triplet, how to play a paradiddle. There's those things that he learned fundamentally as a drummer before he could get in and do all of the fancy stuff that we love to see. Same thing happens in the combat arms, right? There's fundamentals. I have to know the basics if I'm going to make it. And there are some fundamentals for Christ's followers that connect to the full armor of God in more ways than we know. That if we get those fundamentals right, I think they help us in everything. Here's the first fundamental is pray intentionally. Pray intentionally. I'm a fan of random prayer. I'm a fan of on-the-spot prayer. Lord Jesus, it's a fire, right? That's a random prayer. Some of y'all pick that up, right? I'm, I'm a fan of those kind of prayers, but I think you need to be intentional about your prayer. Set a reminder on your phone. Make it a plan. When I'm in relationship with someone, I have to be intentional in communicating with them. We talked about that some last week. Chris and Kim did. So be intentional. Stop playing around when it comes to your communication with God and get serious about it. Pull out your phone. Set a reminder. Pray. Use an app. I have an app on my phone. It's actually called Prayer. It's a prayer app. Let's me schedule my prayers. So throughout the day, different times, oh, 3.15, pray for my students. And I, it just constantly reminds me to develop that rhythm, to be intentional about praying. You might say, yeah, that sounds good. I can set a reminder. But once the alarm goes off, I don't know how to pray. Well, I think you do know how to pray. You just, we got a bridge to disconnect that you have that's complicating your prayer life. And so you can have a conversation with anyone. You can have a conversation with God. But just in case that's still too complicated for you, check out this awesome illustration. The Navigators decades ago created this for us, and it's a really quick illustration. The prayer hand, little things that'll help you develop an intentional rhythm of prayer. Praise, confession, thanks, intercession, petition, then praying for God, applying it. It's very simple. And if you just think of each of those as a digit on your hand, okay, for one minute, I'm going to praise. And one minute, I'm going to confess my sin. And one minute, I'm going to thank God. Or 30 seconds or five minutes each. Whatever you do for whatever rhythm works for you, it's a very practical thing that'll help you to start to pray. Should you pray like that for your entire life? I don't know. I would hope that you would grow up and mature some in your prayer life with God. But if you're not doing anything, that is the most powerful way to pray because that way of praying is better than no way of praying. So you say, hey, God, you're awesome. Confession, God, I'm not awesome. Thanks. Thanks, God, for my family and my friends. Pray for other people. God, help my friend. He's busted up. Pray for yourself. God, help me. I'm busted up too. Amen. Look at that. I just did it in 20 seconds. It's that simple. I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm trying to make it accessible to so many of you who call me and say, Carlo, would you pray for me? Yet you've never actually talked to God yourself. We are not of the faith that believes that we need other human beings in order to access God. We believe that we have direct access to God because of what Jesus did. I can pray and I can talk to God. That doesn't mean that I won't pray for you. What it means is I want to equip you and help you pray for yourself. So you need to be intentional about your prayer life. You need to read the Bible systematically. Read systematically. The Bible is a big book, 66 books written over thousands of years on multiple continents, at least 40 different authors in three different languages. You just can't play Bible roulette and randomly flip and boom, today I'm going to read this. 
That is a way to read the Bible, but I think it's a way to ensure that you don't ever grow in understanding what God says if you're not systematic. So download the YouVersion app, like the instructions we give at the beginning of every service. Download the app, read some Bible plans, find me on there. I'm on YouVersion. Request me as a friend. Find me. Say, hey, let's read this plan together. We'd love nothing more to help walk you through some of this stuff systematically. But if that's too complicated for you, let me show you. Here's another illustration from our great friends, the Navigators, the, the Bible reading hand. Five different ways I can take in God's word. One, I can hear God's word. You're doing that right now. You listen to sermons. You go listen to them throughout the week. You hear God's word. Read the Bible. So every day, set that alarm. Be systematic. I'm just going to open the Bible and read it. I'm going to read it like a book. Then you study the Bible. Now I'm going to read for some understanding. This is where I'm going to underline. I'm going to highlight. I'm going to ask some questions. Memorizing the Bible is so critical in spiritual warfare. I can't memorize anything. Yes, you can. You know your address. You know your phone number. That's about as long as the average verse of Scripture. If you can memorize that, you can memorize, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can, rem- you can memorize a Bible verse. And what happens when you memorize the Word of God? You're hiding it in your heart. And when life hits the fan, you'll have something you can access to bring back. And then finally, meditate. Meditate on the word. Meditation is a word that's kind of been hijacked by some Eastern religion. And you might say, I don't know how to meditate. Again, yes, you know how to meditate because you know how to worry. If you know how to worry, you know how to channel your energies and your thoughts towards something negative. You know how to think about something that might happen, shoulda, woulda, coulda, and it's negative. This kind of meditation on God's word is I'm going to channel my thoughts and my energy towards God's word and God's truth. And I'm going to go over that verse of the Bible over and over and over, get it down into my soul. Pray intentionally, read systematically, and then finally, fight collectively. Don't do battle alone. Keep showing up on Sunday, sign up and serve on a team, start doing life with people, be involved in a small group, in a community group. If you're in a group, go deeper in that relationship in your group. We cannot fight this battle alone. The Bible says the enemy roams around like a lion seeking who he can devour. So he's looking for people that are isolated. Don't be isolated. Get involved in community. We put on the full armor of God. We do all of this stuff so that we can win. We don't put on the full full armor of God so that we might still be standing. We put on the full armor of God so that at the end of the fight, we will be standing. Here's the good news. No matter what you're facing today, God is bigger than your battles. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for the power of your word. Help us to trust you with all our heart and to not lean on our own understanding. God, would you do what only you can do in this place? Save those who need saving. Help those who need your help. And God, I thank you that when we come to you, You show up in a mighty and a powerful way. God, we can take heart in who you are and your promises. We love you for it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with us? Let's worship.